0: the home offices of ash and flow this is unbillable hours a podcast about professional services marketing stick around and listen to our insights tips and best practices to improve your firm's marketing and even your career
1: all right let's go yeah we're we're back back flow right we are indeed welcome back also to the listeners and welcome to Hannibal Hafords, who, who joins us from Quadrant Consulting, Hannibal, where you are a consultant, right? And we invited you here because we wanted to talk about social media advertising for professional services firms. And, and I'll get into why in, in just a second, but do you want to introduce yourself a little bit and, and explain why you got dragged into all of this? <laughs> as, yeah. As
2: yeah, thank you so much for, for having me on. Yeah, so I work at Quadrant uh, Consulting. We are a Danish-based management consulting firm that are focused on uh, commercial excellence and marketing excellence. So uh, we help uh, typically companies that are relatively large and that has a complex go-to-market determine how do we grow in the best way possible, right? And I'm in the marketing practice in Quadrant, so that is focused around you know marketing organization, but it can also become very practical. It can be, for example, running ABM pilots and helping organizations mm-hmm. kind of take that uh, internally and onboard them into it. It can be running uh, lead gen programs on, uh, for example, LinkedIn, as we're going to talk a lot about today, for yeah. really, really large organizations. So that's kind of uh, what I do. And in the past... I've also done a lot of like e-commerce and digital marketing, and that's kind of my way into consulting.
1: Which is an, a great description, I think, because we, we invited you here because we wanted to talk about social media and ads, and we wanted to talk about someone like yourself who can speak to both ends of it, right—the the overall strategy and the necessary inputs and the the things that happen before a firm maybe wanted to or should embark on on actual advertising. And that was one one piece of it. And then the second piece of it was I'm just seeing. I don't know where that is, but I'm seeing a lot of uh, LinkedIn ads by professional services firms mm-hmm. that that have me go. <laughs> I wonder if they're working really <laughs> well because to, not to point out anyone's work, because like I myself included that we all maybe have done this. Not excellently, myself included. But when I get ads for cloud migration services or outsourcing uh, operations outsourcing from from consultancies, something has probably gone wrong already. Because I I run a very tiny firm that has no need in for any of these things. So there's that, and I'm seeing a lot of those. I don't know why I'm getting so many. Probably because I mean, I visit- no. I visit too lot. many consultancy websites. That's probably the the reason. Maybe if someone gets me with for target something. But the other aspect, then is and and we can we will maybe get to that later. The other aspect of it was that a lot of it seems to be this. Just they call this the one two step type of ad, right? Mm-hmm. I see it. They want me to download a white paper, or they steer me to a landing page, and then I'm supposed to do what next? Like buy the outsourcing? Or like it's it's a very And and I'll I'll hand it to you after after that pretty much. But it struck me as man, I wonder if this is really effective and up to best practice. And I think this is where we hand it over to you and and tell us how would you start talking about what is good practice, best practice. How do you think about social media advertising? Where does it start, and where should firms take it? I don't know how you want to kick it off.
2: Yeah. Yeah, I think professional services is a, is a different kind of beast when it comes to uh, when it comes to running marketing yeah and I think that what the specific examples that you're saying is getting some of the it's a little bit harsh to say basic wrong but that's what that's like yeah. what's happened right so for example let's say that it is because you're visiting a specific firm's website mm. and you inside retargeting flow right one of the I think that we'll mainly talk about LinkedIn today because that's really where a lot of the value will come from for professional services. If I were able to do the same targeting on Facebook or Meta ads, sorry, on uh, Meta ads, I would do that, right? Because it's cheaper on the CPM side, but LinkedIn is just such a great place because you really have the option to nail down your targeting. So for example, in terms of the specific example you gave, if you visit a website and you enter a targeting flow, you're still able to have a qualifying titles and industries and company sizes on your retargeting, right? So just having that kind of layer in yeah. would be an easy fix. Yeah. But
1: I think b- before we start recording, you said something interesting, which was that certain things have to happen before the media buying of the ad, the, the actual yeah. sort of inserting of the acts, ads actually even begins, right? And I think we just talked about targeting here briefly. I mean, I should have a very clear idea. I'm guessing who should we be targeting? You just mentioned job titles. Like, what would this job titles be? Mm-hmm. So, so maybe, like, what but you said a lot of stuff has to happen before I even start advertising, yeah. for it to go right. Yeah. Can you start us off with that, maybe? Because I don't want to hang us up on the examples I just gave. It just, I'm more no, interested no, in what no, you no. think. Yeah.
2: Best so, yeah. so I think that kind of the basis is that most professional services firms should run LinkedIn ads. Right. All right. It's the it's kind of the perfect platform for it's the perfect platform for reaching exactly the right audience uh, for your offering. So it's to me that's a no-brainer. All right. Um, but the problem is that before you kind of start doing that, you need to have a really strong clarity on your position in the market mm-hmm. and who it is that you're going after. So basically, yeah. answering the—I'm uh, not sure if you've read the book—but April Dunford's uh, obviously awesome answering the question why pick us over the competition. Yeah, and I think that we'll may we'll get a little bit more into it later. But there is two levels to marketing and professional services firms, right? There is the corporate brand. So, mm-hmm. what we yeah. as a company—yeah—what's our kind yeah. of corporate brand? And then there is the brains that are more focused on the partners that are driving specific verticals or practices within that organization. Yep. Yep. So there are two levels to marketing in, mm-hmm. uh, in professional services firms. Yep. And that can sometimes make it a little bit difficult because there can be a reason to, to pick a specific uh, consulting firm, but then maybe the reason to really go for them is because there is a partner that has a unique expertise or a particular tone of voice or point of view mm-hmm. on the market. Yeah. If you're in, right so i think the point here is that you need to have a way to kind of stand out and cut through the noise because a lot of people are trying to capture your attention so you need to have uh, to have kind of a unique take on the problems or the areas that you are working mm. within and so, that's especially the, oh sorry yeah
1: so so what i'm hearing is you are saying if i just have a generic we develop solutions to deliver outcomes ads
0: <laughs> <Yeah, laughs> i might exactly. be yeah.
1: I might be able yeah. to save some money by just not advertising that because it's not gonna—it's not gonna do move much. the needle. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. yeah exactly. Yeah. So we have to do strategy again first. Damn it! I wanted to dive mm. straight into <laughs> execute. Just kidding. Well, yeah. this is what we do anyway, right? But, so but presume—but presume we have some of those answers. Yeah. What? Yeah. What's the next puzzle we need to solve in order to get mm-hmm. get good results on LinkedIn?
2: Yeah, so I think there is, of course, there is, of course, some stuff that goes into. <clears throat> For example, what are the offer that you have? Right, you mentioned in the beginning. Yeah. Uh, okay, I'm seeing a Legion ad. Am I supposed to then go in and read it, and then can I book a meeting and buy something from you? That's right. probably not what's going to to happen, right? So I think this is, of course, also a little bit opinionated, right? But that's maybe all right. That's what I've experienced is that if you try to run book a meeting ads on LinkedIn. Mm. that's not going to work, right? That's that's yep. because there's so many elements that has to go into that. Of course, they need to like you, they need to, to trust you, and the timing also needs to be right for that specific project or for that problem mm-hmm. that they have. So that's kind of why content or white papers, for example, is a little bit stronger because they can help across the journey. You don't need to necessarily hit exactly the right timing. Um,
1: yeah. Yeah.
2: yeah. And then I, think I mean that, to, to your yeah. earlier
1: points To your earlier point, yeah. right? I'm presuming you need a very compelling white paper to, to go into that flow, right? Or yes, at least a good enough one to really make me click submit on it. Because yeah, uh, yeah. All right. Yeah, I think I
2: think for I think our I think you exactly. I think to come back to having a unique point of view on the then you would so coming back to the <clears throat> coming back to the kind of di- to the kind of distinction between. Practice marketing and corporate marketing, right? I think what we're mostly focused on in today's episode is on the more kind of vertical or practice-based marketing where you can actually have a unique point of view on the market that you're in. Mm -hmm. And then it comes down to, you know, making original content that can take, you know, a lot of different forms that can either be based on the work you do for clients where you have a... Solution component that really work well that you can then make into a framework and that becomes the white paper. It can yeah. also be we, for example, in Fidelity. We've done um, a concept that we call that we call the Campfire Launch, which is a new mm-hmm. take on how to do product launches in B2B organizations. And we did a survey across our customers to kind of understand what is going wrong in product launches, and that became you know original content with original research that has a, that had kind of an interesting perspective mm-hmm. of okay, half of product launches goes wrong. Why is that, right? And then that was kind yeah. of the whole setup. So I think it's about finding a topic where you can have a really unique point of view on it, but then but then also that it's something that that the customers, mm-hmm. that they care about, or the potential right. prospect
1: that they care about. So let's cheat or, or make it easy on ourselves and presume we also have that. So not only have we a, a good understanding of what segment we want to get, Visibility in and, and, and what we yeah. stand for. And so forth. We, we, all, we even have a, a decent offer, like a decent, yeah. decent of rating offer, offer, which is I, rare because it's not easy to nail. But for the sake of this episode, pretend we have that. OK. Yep. Mm-hmm. <laughs> And now it's time for us to actually start thinking of building the campaign. Like if I come to you and say, hey, Hannibal, can you help my team figure out building the campaign? Presuming I know pretty much nothing about it. Can you walk me through the basics? I especially, I'm interested in, we hear a lot about, you know, cold and warm traffic and retargeting folks and so forth. I don't know if it's possible for you, but can you give us like a skeleton structure of a LinkedIn campaign, how you would set it up or run it? How it doesn't work, so to speak.
2: Yeah, I think I probably have, I think some marketing managers out there are probably going to hate what I'm about to say, but I think uh, I think that, <laughs> that in, the, in my point of view, the whole thing around, you know, doing a complicated retargeting flows and and mm-hmm. having warm and cold traffic, and this is the top fund, now we have the middle fund, now it's the bottom fund, we're trying to convert you or get you to do a specific thing. I think it, it doesn't work because the buying journeys are non-linear. So it's yeah. not like you have yes. you're, you're going through a buying flow and then you're like, ah, oh, now I thought I didn't know this company, but now they showed me this ad about why they're great, and uh, now yeah. I download this piece of content. Now I want to book a meeting. That's not what happens. Yeah. So trying to kind of force people through a funnel doesn't work. And so what's the how can that's also not super informative or helpful, right? That's just like okay, then what do I do, right? And I think the the way that that we like to run LinkedIn ads is that you, uh, it's more about uh, getting the messaging right. So what is it that you're saying and getting the targeting right? Who is it that I'm saying this to? Because that's actually where LinkedIn is super powerful is to be very specific on who it is that you're reaching. Yeah. So we like to think about uh, what can we do that's going to be always on? Because mm-hmm. what typically happens is that you run stop and go campaigns that doesn't really lead anywhere Maybe you get tired of your own messaging relatively quickly, like, ah, now everyone knows this, right? But it's just at that point where you get tired of it that people are starting to be like, ah, okay, this is what they do and this is why they're good at doing it is when you get tired of it. Yeah. So I think the, the way we run it is more so it's not going through a specific fun, but it's thinking about the funnel steps. Okay, we need to have something that establishes who we are and why we're good at that. We need to have some kind of thought leadership piece where we share our perspective on problems that our uh, ideal customer that they experience in their everyday life. We need to have something where we kind of tease them in with even more you know, webinars or other things that can kind of uh, get them into our sphere of influence. And then I think one of the things that we do here at Quadrant for ourselves as well, and what we recommend to clients is that, for example, when you get a lead for a white paper, yeah. you can couple that up with... Uh, doing organic social on LinkedIn. So making sure that you're Mm -hmm. active, going in and connecting with your prospects because you're not going to... I mean, we often see that our buying journeys are like most other uh, professional service firms, they're really long. So it's about, you know, staying top of mind and Mm -hmm. in position that's the go-to person. When I have this problem, I have the budget, I have the buy-in to do it, then I'm going to call X person.
0: Yeah. So just out sort of curiosity, but some as, you know, with large professional services, ones, even with some ones, they'd be running multiple campaigns at the same time, multiple LinkedIn ads at the same time. When there's multiple ones that end up, whether intentionally or accidentally targeting the same individual and they're getting related but slightly different messages what would you suggest to the marketing team when they come into that kind of situation because <laughs> we problem. know this stuff happens We're just, i'm just curious if you've got like a view on it
2: yeah i think i'm actually not too i'm not too afraid of audience overlap
0: mm-hmm. if
2: it's the right person that you're targeting yeah. so if that stakeholder that you're reaching if that person could both buy from for example one vertical or one practice and mm-hmm. from another practice mm-hmm then that's not a problem, right? That's yeah. completely okay, because it's just about uh, that they're in a position where they could buy both things. So I would say that's actually not a problem. I think it's, yeah, it, it wouldn't be too much of a, I wouldn't uh, think about it too much.
0: Good, because mostly it's usually when you tell people, hold strong on this area, but in this area start investing more. And these kinds of things can come in are you know, pushing, say, what you know, a thought leadership piece versus like a campaign. But you know, I like your answer, thanks. So, so
1: can I double down on the retargeting thing though? Because mm-hmm. I, I do agree with the Notion. I, th- I actually, I have downloaded a bunch of white papers two weeks ago, which I haven't read. But there is growing evidence in effectiveness research, right, that retargeting campaigns actually do not deliver a prop- uh, an incremental increase in propensity to buy. So in other words, the results you're getting from your retargeted ads you would have had those anyways because those people were uh, ready to buy. Or So, so I get that element mm-hmm. of it's not necessarily a driver of effectiveness. But isn't there, or, or my, my question, I guess, is I, I also always presume that it is just a ways of getting costs down. Isn't that a role for it to play? Like I'm targeting a bit broader, that's expensive. And then I can go back. I, I limit the going back over a longer amount of time to those people who have shown some interest as indicated by some something I can measure. And that's why I run the retargeting play. Is, is that a fair description or did I get that wrong? Is that a misconception?
2: Yeah, I think it depends a little bit around how you actually run your marketing. So yeah. I would argue that because you can get so specific on the titles that you're targeting on LinkedIn, right, you can say, I want to target this person. I wanted to be yeah. from these specific accounts that I know are a great fit for my company. I want it to be, or you can say industry and then have a... Have kind of a larger than this uh, okay. um, mm. this thing, then I would say the retargeting piece is not super important because you know that these are the right people. Of course, if you go too broad, so if you have a yeah. 100,000 or 150 or 200,000 where you do it based on functions or something similar, then the code kind of becomes even more or the retargeting becomes more important. It's not to say that you shouldn't do retargeting. I think it's a great lever to pull and also to do from your website, because of course people come in from different places. But yeah. But yeah,
1: but, yeah, but you, may, to your you earlier the, points, yeah. To, yeah, yeah, I think that's a good answer. To, to your earlier points, it's not, you shouldn't pull the lever because of increased effectiveness. Like you said earlier, it's, there's no point in sort of forcing people to the funnel. You, sh- you could look at it from an, efficiency angle. That would, be the, that would be one reason to do it maybe. But I, I think you're right when you say that, or what you hinted at there is the target segments aren't that large very often. I make this joke about, mm-hmm. I work with a client who does, who advises corporate finance functions. Mm-hmm. And if they say they want to work with the Ducks or MDucks companies in Germany, that's 250. I might have this wrong, but it's um, below a mid-level three-figure market number in total. Right. So yeah, yeah, to your point, yeah, there's probably no point. And then what I heard you actually said was, the more precise as in, I'm in my strat I am with my strategy, the lower the need to be sophisticated with retargeting, because I will be very clear on who to target the first place. Mm-hmm. And then I'm guessing I can just optimize that original campaign, right? So I don't know, tweak ads, tweak copywriting and so forth to get the the results up. But I don't necessarily need the most brainy retargeting layer ever. Okay. That's interesting. No,
2: And I think it's a, I think it's a really good point that it's, I think that there is a pretty big kind of tendency to, to actually increase complexity and, you know, go into the cogwheels and do yeah, tiny yeah. modifications. And maybe I can increase the bit with this amount or change this small thing, but that's not what's going to actually drive the impact. What's going to drive the impact is, you know, Am I targeting the right people? Do I have a unique point of view with great content that are, that is kind of thought leading and that, and that is interesting to the audience? It's not going to be if my retargeting setup is exactly right or, or some kind of the smaller adjustments along the way. I think it's about yes. having different formats, different messaging, and then making sure that you're putting budget to distribute that content out towards, out yeah. towards the audience. Because a lot of, a lot of professional services firms because they've historically been run primarily through partner sales and relationships. Marketing yeah. is super it doesn't have a lot of budget compared to how much revenue it is in the organization. So yeah. just getting that more budget and putting that behind ads to the right people, that's where yeah. you're going to get like the majority of the effect.
1: Which which I think is also the the way I have spoken about it in the past, not not being an expert at, expert at all, but I always think about it as being sort of a like, like a, a measure to fast track my impact in the market. I'm just paying for guaranteed mm-hmm. distribution, right? So yes, yes. People might stumble across my thinking sometimes anyways, but I'm paying to make sure that they do, and they, with a certain likelihood, do so, I don't know, this month or this quarter or whatever. I, I think that's maybe a good way to think about it. I wanted to. I also like the. I wanted to ask if, if you can maybe because you said you think about. If I understood correctly, you said the best way to do this is to think about something that's always on, right? Mm-hmm. Instead of short-term campaigns, so more of a program character. And then if I caught you, your thoughts correctly, wasn't inside that always-on thing? There is ads or pieces that solve for every job in the buyer's journey. So I need to understand. There's something explaining the the problem or framing the problem. There's something explaining our point of view on how it should be solved. There's something about why are we the best. So all that's in there. Can you, but I, that makes me curious about like when you run something, because you also run the ads for Quadrant, your own firm, right? Like, can you yeah. share a little bit? Like, what does it look like? Do you switch it on in January and then it runs for two years? Or what is, how does it work when you say always on? What's the, the day-to-day?
2: Yeah, that's... Or the month-to-month, or I don't know. <laughs> Yeah, I think I think this comes back to I think this is also of course a size thing, right? But in Qatar, yeah. this is definitely an unbillable hours job as well for me, right? Yeah, um, sure. Mm-hmm. So, it's, so it so it the thing about always on is that you you have the possibility for things to run long enough that you get learnings and you can make adaptations. Mm. So that's, that's the one piece. So you yeah. yeah.
1: Can I interrupt and ask? So the long yes. enough, what's long enough? So it's not, because sometimes you see 30, 90 day, whatever, three mm-hmm. months. And then, Do you have a, is that a simple answer to the question? What, how long is long enough? Or is that? More mm,
2: there is no, I think it it, it depends uh, mm. on the situation, but I would, and, and of course, also your budget and so on and so Yeah, forth. sure. But yeah. But I think it's not necessarily, I I think long enough is maybe also a bad way of framing it, but it's just, if you have stop and go campaigns where you say, okay, in the next Mm -hmm. 14 days, we're going to uh, market this specific, I don't know, content or something like that, then it's such a short period of time that you can't really tweak anything. And if you do, it's not going to have a big benefit because if you tweak something on day 10, then it's going to run for four more days. And yeah. there's going, quickly, there's going to be a lot of overhead and added complexity in running these stop mm-hmm. and go campaigns. So I think Always On is, ah, that's is an a mindset. It's yeah. a mindset of going into doing advertising in a different way where you're saying, okay, we're going to have a, a track that's around for leadership. In that track, we're going to have something that's a white paper downloads. And we have run, uh, some of our white papers, they've run for two years, Right. Mm. And we yeah. and even though someone would say that's way too long, people have seen it too much, right? We have a super narrow audience. I think we have three thousand of exactly the right people that we want to target yeah. uh, in Denmark, where we are based. Then we are still getting super high quality leads yeah. at the same cost that we did uh, one and a half years ago.
1: Yeah. So people would say, yeah. because what you said there, and I never thought about this, but what you. Said there just was what I'm hearing is you're minimizing the admin costs, right? That's because you said the the start-stop campaigns create a lot of you need to manage those, stay on top, then the next one, and so forth. Yeah, I never thought about that. It's very true. You you are reducing the internal effort you got to make to run those, which is another. Yeah, that's right. And then I think to
2: to your point around that is. Yeah, I think also something that I've heard in other podcasts that you've done is that then you can spend time doing all of the things that are super high value at as well, right? Not sitting yeah. there and tweaking campaigns, yeah. but talking to partners. How did we actually win this project? What made yeah. that a success? How can we make that into a great case story? You know, all of the things around the advertising that is actually what is making them interesting. Mm.
1: Yeah. 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 All right. So I in my notes, the next question was, where does the stuff to be going wrong? I think you already touched upon a bunch, right? So we said, so by implication, not having the strategy, not having the offer, that's your first big summer blocks You covered those. But then here you said, well, maybe don't think as much in terms of um, super complicated structures, right? Targeting, retains but think about an always on thing and avoid the start, stop this, that short-term use. And is there anything... Like when you look in the, the, the dashboard, the backend of, of a client campaign or something, do you see some more, If you, I don't know if you want to go into the more tactical, but is, are there any, can we add mistakes to those lists that maybe happen inside the campaigns or do, do you have some comments yes. around that?
2: Yeah, definitely. I think we covered some of the stuff. I'll run through the list anyways. Okay, do man, let's do it. Uh, yeah, but I think one of the things that, at least sometimes when, you, when I talk with that, not necessarily professional services firms, but that can be any firm, is that they put quite a lot of trust into media platforms' recommendations. Yeah. Right? So they Mm -hmm. say, you know, for example, LinkedIn has this thing where it says uh, below 50,000 audience size is not optimal. Mm. Right? Mm -hmm. And that's 100% not true. So the thing is that I, I touched upon it earlier, but it's a—it's not about the exact amount of people, but it's around No, is it the right people? And yeah. if you have the right people, then that doesn't matter what the audience size is. Mm. Then, it, then, it, then it's just the right people. Um, so I think that's one of the things. Um, another thing that LinkedIn—I mean, I'm not here to bash LinkedIn. I love LinkedIn. I. I, but I, think I was, was going to say they. Guys,
1: I was going to say yeah. this is not the, the information yeah. that the audience size is not optimal is completely correct. It's just correct for them, right? size, Not you. That's so, the yeah. right, different perspective. But good, but good, yeah. But good call out. yeah. Yeah. And then
2: another thing is that we typically see is enabled audience expansion. <clears throat> so, ah, when you, yeah, I read um, about that. Yeah. So that's another reason why you could see these ads from uh, from weird companies that you could definitely not buy from. Right. That's because they have not necessarily intentionally, but they've enabled audience expansion. And that's enabled by default on all campaigns when you start out. And that basically means that LinkedIn will say, OK, you did super detailed targeting specifically who you want to target. Now I'm going to see if I can <laughs> find other people Going like to show this to
1: Flo anyway. Yeah, <laughs> yeah exactly. <laughs> okay.
2: So that's another one that seems go wrong. So never, ever leave audience expansion on. And that's just a tick box. You always untick that box. Um, yeah. Then there is another thing around uh, bidding. So by default, LinkedIn has this, this bidding setting that I really like the name of because it's called maximum delivery. Mm-hmm. Right, so it's not going to do uh, maximum conversions, or, but it's going to maximize the delivery of your ads within your budget, and that can be an okay way to start sometimes when you are running and uh, running a new campaign. But what really often happens is that you get cr- uh, crazy increases in prices, so mm-hmm. they will kind of pay top of market for the impressions within your target audience to make sure that it gets delivered to them, right? That's what they're saying, right? It's maximum delivery, it's not maximum impact. So they will maximize the delivery of your ads, and that would typically increase the cost quite a bit. So the way that you mitigate that is that you start bidding on something else. That can either be bidding Mm -hmm. on the price per thousand impressions or the price per click, and that would dramatically decrease the cost. I've seen Multiple ad accounts where the CPM price is, is 500 euros, 700 euros, which almost never, or I can probably say never, makes sense.
1: Um, yeah. You would have to sell like a pilot engagement for. <laughs> A two-figure million dollars. Yeah, some for that. Like that. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, that's horrible. But by the way, for the people listening who don't know, I think CPM is cost per miller. Um, I think for some reason they use the the mm, Roman or something. Mm. So that's the cost per thousand impressions to have that right. Yeah, yes. So for five hundred bucks, a thousand potential prospects see it, and then given the conversion rates so of the typical the way the metrics typically runs down, that's the joke here is. The outcome of those in terms of commercial benefits, to your firm will be so low that you're never making the five hundred bucks back. The and math doesn't work typically. Yeah, and and the
2: thing is that that you could you could improve that by bidding in a different way. So you could yeah. get shown to other people by bidding in a different way. So something that's super popular, and this gets a little bit into the weeds on the technical side, but go for it. Do what is called the floor bidding. So, on LinkedIn, it will show you know an interval of the price for what you're bidding for. So, when you go in and change the bidding to something that's manual, that could be let's say that is the price per click. Yeah, so I go in and the price per click is maybe it says that the range is between uh, five and 10 euros, right? Mm-hmm. So, if I would start a campaign there, I could say, okay, I want to bid just below the five euros, yeah, and then see. How much of my budget gets utilized? So, what is my budget utilization when I'm bidding at the very low end of what LinkedIn is recommending? If I have a 100% budget utilization, so let's say it's 50, to 50 euros per day and I use the 50 euros, then I know that I could actually bid a little bit lower, right? Because. Ah, but are testing that, the yeah, lower end it, ends is, bit, I guess. Exactly. Yeah. So, you and would if, then if, say, okay, I want to go lower and then see. When you're
1: just below 50, you're getting the cheapest. Yeah. All right. Interesting. I see, this is it. the good yeah. stuff. Okay. Yeah. Which, which are, are you done? Are you through your list? Sorry, before I in my head, I moved on is, or is there so, more stuff we should cover?
2: So I think one, one thing around, you know, especially when you're doing, when you're moving into always on is that you, when you're working with marketing, you always think, ah, fuck, we've said this so many times, everyone knows this. I'm tired of it. I'm going to take it off yeah, in yeah, my yeah. ads, right? So you, you're you kind of thinking that your audience is getting messaging fatigue, but you're yeah. turning it off just when you're starting to work, just when they're starting to, ah, this is who you are. This is what you're mm-hmm. for. This is what I can buy from you. So I think this is not a LinkedIn specific, but this is just something that you need to keep in mind that your audience doesn't wake up thinking about your company, right? Yeah. They are thinking about a lot of other things, and sometimes they see you in their sphere.
1: Yeah. And, then, and I mean, this is true, we often say this with regards to all things communication, even with how we as marketers should engage firm leadership and so forth. Just keep in mind that if I talk with a principal at a sizable firm, the amount of hours right, per week they think about marketing stuff, if, if I take the, the year average, round it out to the next closest number... Will probably still not be one percent, right? So, so it takes time I and mean, maybe repetitions for the message to break through. I think that's a, that's good. Yeah, people should not presume fatigue, and I think that's also sometimes. I don't know if you agree or not, but I, I like your point. People shouldn't be too impressed by the platform recommendations. I also sometimes think they should not get confused by some of those metrics, like for example, there's things like mm. frequency, which sort of implies, mm. oh, that's how often yeah. someone saw your ad. Well, okay, those are statistics that for someone like you, Hannibal, maybe mean something, but they they don't mean like literally everyone in your audience saw the ad twice today. And I mean, just seeing it is one thing, but then also consciously saw it, right? So yeah, yeah, you shouldn't be too confused by that stuff.
0: Yeah, frequency is not really amazing metric because it just means if they scroll past your ad as well, because an impression doesn't mean how long they've engaged with it
1: yeah that's i mean that is i don't understand any of that at all i couldn't even tell you what they count as an ex- impressions probably more than anything that's going on but okay no that but that said i like the point though um don't be afraid in, in fact actually and we've said this in the podcast before only always talking about the same things in slightly different ways is what people should aspire to because that's mm-hmm. A signifier Insistency. of a true expert yeah. and specialist, like my heart doctor, only talks about <laughs> heart doctor things. I don't want them to do migraine and fitness and yeah. surgery. On you don't want them to t- comment because, to because they're bored, right? It's not
0: what I want to have. Yeah, yeah. You don't want so- them to tell you what to buy from IKEA.
1: Do not, yeah, do not get distracted from your stuff, please. All right, another great one. Did you have more or should we? No, so I I actually have a a few more,
2: but so these were kind of the on-platform technical setup things. Uh, Some kind of also approaches, but there's also some stuff that is off-platform. Yeah, Um, And of course, we touched upon uh, some of them, right, but one of the super important things if you want to run effective marketing in friction services is that you are engaging the partners in the firm. Because yes. Yes. in professional service, you're in a pretty unique position where the partners are both the subject matter experts and they're the salespeople. So they're the ones who has the best knowledge around you know yeah. who's our buyers and also what are they interested in right now and what is our perspective on that? What have I learned in recent projects that is interesting, that is, a, that is something that we can communicate? So collaborating closely with partners. And, yep. and sometimes that can be difficult to making that a priority in the organizations because these are uh, the dreadful, unbillable hours, right? Uh, it's, uh, <laughs> yeah. it's the stuff that gets put uh, at the end of the to-do list. So making it a priority. And also, if you're in marketing, making it really easy for the partners to engage in meaningful ways. You know, setting up all the, if you wanted to make a video, set up all the video gear, make a draft of questions, send it. And then have that conversation, right? So it's just plug and play. It doesn't need to take a yeah. lot of time. It should be really easy.
1: Yeah. Um, well, I, we we discussed some some ways of doing it uh, in the podcast. I I have one client where the marketing mm-hmm. team set up uh, Microsoft Teams channel, mm-hmm. um, and co- consultants throughout the firm get to submit client complaints or questions. They that that took some deliberation on their part. Mm, client sent, some, sent something in and I either needed to hand it to upper management because it was a huge issue in a project, or it was a question that I couldn't just, it's not standard fair, but I had to sit down and, and think about it and then come back with a full because that stuff's gold. It means it's real client yes. questions and the content is pretty much already there because the consultant submitting it will have thought about. I think it's a great idea. I think I can share here as well because I don't know. It's not off to a super great start. Like, there's not people in that channel. But I like this idea, and it goes to your point of the team's channel exists, so people can just copy and paste. Like, they get the email, copy, paste. Okay, marketing team has it. Done, right? no. no, they can come back to me if they thought it was interesting. So that's the right idea, yeah. Okay, sorry, go uh, go on with the the off-platform. And uh, then then the last thing that's
2: off-platform, for now at least, is that you need to get clear of clarity on your where to play decisions, yeah. right? If that makes sense. So what are mm-hmm. the services we're going to talk most about? What, what are we putting budget behind? What are the topics that we are going to push this quarter or this half a year yeah. or this year? What are our top industries that we're focusing on? Because mm-hmm. that informs the marketing strategy. And yes. yep. it can be challenged in a kind of partner driven model. Right, because everyone wants a piece of the yeah. marketing budget. Everyone wants to run small campaigns on small it's stuff. It's a right? huge because source
1: of conflict. Yeah.
2: It's a huge source of conflict, and the problem is, I, I, this was actually something that that my boss Brian coined. He calls it many small pebbles marketing. So there is no kind of like there is no ripple yeah. effect, right? If you're throwing mm-hmm. a lot of small stuff into the water, it won't have any ripple effect. It won't get out, but it's a small slow flow, you know one big or a few big rocks into the water, then that will have a much larger ripple effect. Um, yeah. So I think that's also important which, to keep in mind.
1: Which, by the way, that is something, and I don't know if you have it, but I would presume that a, a marketing team that's keen to be seen as a, as an advisory function as well, right? Not just a support function, but yeah. some, I, would, I, I think you would have to be prepared for this and lead with some recommendation. And I don't know if there's, like, for example, you could say, well, as a team, we would recommend the firm spends advertising money uh, for the struggling practice, right? Where demand is not as easy to come by. Or you could say the opposite is probably as valid. So we pour gasoline on the fire as our recommend. I don't know, whatever it is. But you should have thought about that and have a compel- have a argument to make in order to, uh, yeah, to give some structure, right? Because otherwise, it just becomes a question of who who yells the loudest or who is currently the biggest boy at the partner table, mm-hmm. whatever. So, so it becomes an unstructured yeah. uh, jostle. And and I think you can mitigate some of that by having a, a properly structured recommendation. I don't know if you have any, any pointers on where budget should be spent best, but I would presume yeah. stuff like that exists.
2: Yeah, I think to your point, I think it is a difficult conversation. So what happens is that most just avoid it. And, you know, do some yeah. <laughs> kind of a distribution uh, based on the practice size or whatever. Yeah. And that's not the right approach necessarily. Yeah. But just making some clear decisions. I think one of the examples that we have from from a client where there was a clear, it was the position of the corporate brain was very much, it kind of legacy came out of a specific practice. But yeah. now most of the revenue was actually not from that practice anymore. It was across different practices you know, digitalization, cyber security, yeah, yeah, other yeah. things, right? Yeah. So there, our recommendation was, you know, you need to allocate more budget towards this stuff that the buyers are not aware that you're providing. Because a lot of people didn't have awareness around the digital offerings that they could actually buy from this uh, particular yeah. professional yeah. services firm. Yeah. So it can also be, you know, just if we have all of this awareness within this practice, then maybe we should allocate more of the budget. Of course, not neglecting our legacy practice or what kind of... Yeah. It was our biggest practice, but focusing the budget more on where people are not aware that they can buy yeah. this from you,
1: yeah. which which goes back to your first the first point you ever made on this podcast, which was you have to have strategic clarity, otherwise yes. you can't. You, otherwise you're you're going to go in circles. You can't have these discussions yes. in, the, in a productive point. Yeah. All right. I had two more tips. Two more tips. I had two more questions before we close. One was, can you speak to the upside of having an expert like yourself? running this um because i mean this is probably more for the mid sized firms in the mm-hmm. audience but i'm um, i don't know i don't know if there's like a, a market a, an advertising budget number at which point you should say okay before we trial and error this if maybe you know hire somebody if it's part time or bring in a consultant or whatever to help us do this properly is mm. any thoughts around that question when should you rely on expert help for running your advertising
2: yeah, I think in general, I think that my perspective is that marketing is a mission critical function. Yeah. So mm-hmm. I would have, ideally, I would, I would not outsource marketing. So I would try to see how can we have these competencies in-house in some way. So yeah. I wouldn't, I'm, I, w- Interesting. I would focus on, you know, how can we, I think the way that we could help and the way that we have helped uh, other professional services firms in the past has been, you know, going in as an advisor, doing an analysis, looking at how does this work, helping them form those kind of, having the conversations around yeah. where to play decisions and how to win. Yeah. You know, some of some of that stuff is where you can like, helping them get clarity on like, what is our priorities? What is the strategic importance of this specific thing? what is yeah. h- How do we do budget allocation? How do we do measurement, targeting, all of that stuff. So I think there, an outside perspective can be super helpful to figure out What do we need to communicate externally, but also is there kind of, if this is what we want to do, is there anything that we, is there something that we need to equip our internal team with, right? Is there any capability development we need to do? Do we need to hire someone else? Do we need to allocate more budget for a full-time employee, for example? I mean, what does this look like? Because you can have a lot of great ideas around this. We would really like to do that. But it also requires uh, skills and it requires people sometimes, more people. Yeah, so I think that's how we can help. I think the other way or there's something else that you can get help from, but that can also be, you know, running a pilot test. If you haven't, if you are a small medium sized firm mm-hmm. and you haven't done marketing in the past, it can be nice to have someone that has done it before to help us like, to test and try to form the basics. And then afterwards, you know, deliver, like kind of doing and doing like a proper handover to the internal team or helping them hire someone to do it or something like that.
1: Yeah. Excellent. I think there's a good way to have a good point in time, maybe to tie a bow on it or wrap it up because I'm, I'm trying to be conscious of time is slightly over. I don't want to be yeah. <laughs> too long. But uh, if I may, I'll just wrap this up. So I think we heard you say that. Firms should advertise on LinkedIn. You were very explicit and you gave some reasons as for why, right? High targeting precision. You'll find your people there, lots of good reasons to try it. But you also said it only makes sense if you have your strategy in place, if you have clarity and who you want to talk to and and what the pitch is going to be. We then need an offer. And um, that's a bit better than book a meeting because that will likely just burn money for not uh, great an outcome and if i have the strategy and the offer right then you said you, you should build a campaign but think not start stop but think always on and make mm-hmm. sure the ad the actual ads that go into it answer all the questions these are my words a buyer might have across the journey right why would i need this what does it do why are you guys all that stuff and then try to avoid the mistakes uh, we discussed them. i'm not going to summarize all of those people have to go back in the episode but that seemed to be it and i think it was a great run-up, very helpful. I don't know, Ash, do you have any
0: No, I think this has been a very good episode.
1: So, well, no, if people want to hear or read more from you and or Quadrant, where, where should we send them to? Of course, I have to say LinkedIn, right,
2: after this episode. <laughs> right, that's, <laughs> the only, that's the only way to Okay.
1: So, uh, so, yeah. Yeah, yep. go ahead. No, we'll put that in the show notes and then obviously also the Quadrant website which I'll, I'll put a link there as well. Um, for for the non-European listeners, it's spelled uh, K-V and then A-D-R-A-N-T, right? So it's not qu- quadrant as in qu- quadratic. Q-U-A, but... not the Q-U-A <laughs> yeah. spelling. It's the, it's is that, the is other that because of, we... Is that because of Denmark, I'm guessing, right? Or is yes, that, okay? Yes. All right, so exactly, so. Yeah. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Uh, but we'll put a link in the show notes. Otherwise, LinkedIn, that was brilliant. Thank you. Very much, Hannibal, and uh, yeah, come back uh, sometime soon when when Ash and I both tried to po- advertise this podcast on LinkedIn and failed miserably. Will you yes. back <laughs> for a live hosting <laughs> session. That was awesome. I would love to. Thank you so
0: much. Thanks, all. Yeah, right. Thanks for joining us. Thanks for listening to Unbillable Hours. If you want more, tune in next week. You know where to find us.